0: Welcome, Mark. So great to speak to you again. It's been a little while and uh, obviously it's virtual rather than live like last time. But tell me what's happening at Smile Identity now.
1: Thanks, Pima. It's so great to speak with you again. And it has been uh, quite a transformative couple of years, uh, obviously for the global economy, um, but specifically for our business at Smile Identity. So I'm excited to share an update. Great. And I think, Maybe to start with, you know, I just recap on where we left the conversation. It was probably, oh, I think late 2019, uh, certainly before the world changed. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we were in person doing this, this interview in, in San Francisco. Um, so, you know, at the time we had this idea that basically anyone should be, be able to prove their identity easily, regardless of their IP address or the origin of their ID card. And that uh, doing so was was going to be critical to access, uh, you know, all the benefits of a modern digital economy. I mean, I don't think we could have um, predicted, you know, any more clearly sort of the way that the world moved uh, towards a digital economy in many ways, digital only. And in the uh, sort of in the in the wake of the pandemic now, that has completely uh, transformed a whole number of industries and, and bankrupted others. Um, we've seen tremendous demand and tremendous growth uh, for digital identity solutions uh, within our markets in Africa and globally. And we've been building um, rapidly across, uh, across the board from products and uh, expansion into new markets, um, but also um, building out our team. And we now actually have uh, over 40 uh, Smilers um, working from 12 different countries, um, eight different African nations. And uh, speaking probably at least as many uh, languages. Um, And our team is really divided into, of course, a commercial organization that that works with customers um, to find solutions and help them be successful in scaling their businesses, but also an engineering team and a machine learning computer vision effort. And so uh, that team is spread across Africa, uh, the United States, and Europe. And um, we're really excited about uh, all the accomplishments we've we've had in the last. A year and a half and also how we've helped um everything from customers um to governments to nonprofits uh, mitigate some of the impact of the pandemic um having having now had to sw- switch gears from physical infrastructure and physical distribution to mostly digital infrastructure uh or or remote um uh, service delivery
0: such a positive story to come out of um a lot of disasters, so that's fantastic. And uh, just tell me um, in a few sentences exactly what Smile Identity's strength and solution is.
1: Yeah, so at Smile Identity, we provide a set of APIs and SDKs that allow any commercial organization or nonprofit to verify the identity of a user over a smartphone. And we do that across the African continent and we have ambitions to scale beyond Africa. But today we work in about half a dozen African markets. We verify ID numbers and ID documents against sources of truth, whether that is ID authorities or bank authorities or telecom authorities. And we also combine that with a face verification solution so we can verify uh, that a user's selfie matches the information on file uh, at an associated ID authority or the information on an ID card. And we do roughly a million verifications every month. We're doing that off uh, across uh, roughly half a dozen countries across Africa.
0: Such a valuable service. Um was so necessary even before the crisis, but as you said, probably even more so now because everything's gone digital that wasn't digital before. <laughs> that's right.
1: And even in some cases where um, there's still some level of physical delivery, whether that's you know schooling or whether that's um, government services uh, to you know populations that are at risk. Um, we've been able to offer people a contactless solution, right? So you can onboard a user with a selfie um, without having to have people fill out paperwork or put their their thumbprint down on a piece of hardware. And so that contactless solution, whether it's um, self-serve, you know, a consumer with their own smartphone, or whether it's an agent you know visiting somebody uh, in the field, um, allows us to offer solutions um, that work, you know, sort of r- regardless of the circumstances uh, or regardless of the application.
0: So tell me what um, sort of big problems you've had to, been pulled into to try and solve. I mean, obviously um, fraud and, um, you know, uh, mis- misidentifying someone as being big. Um, can you tell me, like, where that sort of has helped as regards yeah. your solution?
1: Um, I'll talk about a couple of examples. So okay. one was was pretty much was pretty early in the onset of the pandemic. Um, there was a, a large number of, of people who uh, one of the state governments we work with um in Nigeria th- there was a large number of people who were basically seen at risk, and um they were at risk because of uh, you know income um, going away um, So yeah. with the pandemic. Um, there was a number of folks whose livelihoods were put at risk, small businesses whose whose businesses were put at risk. And there was a government program to give people essentially uh, income security. And to do that, they needed to do identity verification to make sure that money was going to the intended individuals. And so we worked with, in one case, a state government program, in another case, a federal government program, um, largely administered by local companies, but we were in partnership with them. Providing them uh, identity solutions to verify, and on the one hand, to verify faces uh, so that the users who are getting uh, this government benefit were in fact who they said they were, and in another case, to verify bank accounts to make sure that the money that was going into bank accounts was actually going into the intended uh, recipients' accounts. So those were two programs we worked on that were kind of on the, the public welfare side. On the private side, um, you know, we saw tremendous growth of the, uh, the remittances. Um, business and the the crypto uh, currency business. And so we had a whole host of of customers that um, were seeing tremendous demand across Africa uh, for either being able to move money, let's say, um, from someone in uh, the United States or the UK to a recipient that might be uh, in Nigeria or in Ghana. And in other cases, um, small businesses that wanted to be able to move their currency into crypto to protect it from uh, currency fluctuations, or um, individuals who wanted to be able to uh, move money into crypto to get it across borders and and avoid very high FX costs. And in those cases, we were doing kind of our classic uh, product, which is basically uh, identity verification for consumers uh, and doing that at at very high volume, but Mm -hmm. doing it in a way that um, allowed these businesses to catch uh, individual fraudsters who are either trying to impersonate somebody else, and we would catch that with a liveness detection, or uh, someone who was trying to open up, let's say, many, many different accounts and take advantage of some um, some referral program or some ben- some bonus program. Right. And so in one case basically catching fraud through liveness and another case catching fraud through deduplication.
0: And uh, I know people that are inclined towards being fraudsters Um often uh, take advantage of uh, very critical times. So I I would imagine that uh, when, particularly last year when the crisis hit um, and all the lockdowns happened, uh, was there any particular, you know, fraud schemes that came up, whether you were involved in them or not as far as a solution, that happened that you could talk about? I'm always interested in the criminal mind. I can never work out how how they work these things out or want to do them, but I'm still interested.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think one of the things we've tended to see is that it's often a relatively small number of people who are uh, perpetrating, you know, sort of a large number of activities. Right. Um, and so I think, unfortunately, you know, the, the markets that we work in sometimes get get painted with a brush that's just unfair. I think the yeah. reputation, for example, that you know, let, let's say countries like Nigeria or, or other countries in sub-saharan Africa have gotten is is largely due to very specific individuals who've, mm. um, who who've who've engaged in this kind of activity so what we've seen just as an example of this is we saw um, roughly 20,000 frauds that's that happened during the er- relatively early part of the pandemic that were carried out by we think was only about 200 individuals so wow 20,000 attempts but you know only kind of going back to 200 people. So you can imagine that, you know, whether it was coordinated or, or, or mostly individuals, these were folks who were trying over and over again to get through our systems. Um, and we caught them, you know, using our deduplication engines. And um, what this means is that for, for other companies that weren't using our services, if they were giving out loans or if they were giving out referral incentives for people to sign up for their products, um, they're probably, you know, they're probably attracting a relatively small number of people who are taking advantage of their system over and over and over and over again. And and so that's one of the things that was interesting that we saw uh, during, uh, basically during 2020, we were able to help one of our partners catch this behavior, identify mm. the individuals, and ultimately wow. we were able to report them back to uh, the central bank.
0: That's pretty satisfying. And I noticed too, um, just from news events, that uh, there was a lot of ransomware attacks on hospitals, which to me is insanity. Obviously, be, because especially during the crisis, they were also already under incredible pressure. Did you have any? Do you have any wisdom or overview on that? From yeah, your,
1: you'd, you'd sort of think like maybe there might be some sectors that are kind of beyond the pale, right? That, that
0: yeah,
1: sort of yeah. Want to attack. But I think the reality is that that people are looking for the open latch. They're they're looking for the easiest or weakest link to break. And and so it, it it tends to be not the organizations um, that are that have the most uh, modern software or even the organizations that might have the most value at risk, but it uh, tends to be organizations that are least prepared from a security right, standpoint. Right. And so well, we we've tended to work with very high growth companies that put an emphasis on uh, on security, they put an emphasis on protecting user data, and they put an emphasis on user experience. Yeah, and um and so you know m- most of the companies we work with are investing heavily in uh, in security solutions and anti-fraud solutions and so we're obviously working with those companies and unfortunately it's it's usually the organizations that uh, have 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 not spent or invested the money on protection that find themselves at most risk yeah
0: and unfortunately the health sector in a lot of western countries often is um very antiquated and um Behind and uh, definitely probably not haven't focused in the past on um, prote- protection and security issues. So which is well, and it's, it's,
1: all, it's an evolving picture, right? So you know, even even as we've built this business over the last five years, we've seen the nature and the types of fraud change. Right. Everything from people using cardboard cutouts uh, to try to pretend that they are a picture of a human <laughs> that they're not. <laughs> to, uh, pictures of Barack Obama, who apparently, uh, you know, applies for loans on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> wow. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we've seen everything. And and I think, you know, it's just, it's one of these things that, um, it requires sort of an ongoing effort, um, and a, and a, uh, you know, basically a learning machine, right? So that is that is what we've built. We have uh, both the volume of transactions that we're watching to see emerging patterns, and we've we've built some pretty powerful computer vision and um, and and data deduplication solutions that we're able to put to work for our partners. And uh, you know, we, we don't stop, right? This is sort of an ongoing effort, and we get better and better. I like to say that you know our solutions. Um, are currently like the worst that they'll ever be right next like the next week and next week they're going to get better and better and better yeah. um yeah. but it's an arms race and we have to keep yeah. pace with the evolving nature of, of, of
0: yeah. fraud. uh really interesting to talk to you again mark and um so fabulous that things are going so well because obviously there's a there's always been a dire need for security and safety um now particularly digitally. So I'm so pleased that your business is doing so well and continuing to grow. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, thanks so much for having me. Okay.